0: This is the bloody disgusting podcast network. Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Freddy, also known as 99. And alongside me on the web, we have David,
1: 8 days till
0: Halloween. A And also known as Nightly. We are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down and discuss the ultimate question, why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. You can support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife. And that's Night with a what?
1: K. K K Love that.
0: By pledging on Patreon, you will have access to the show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry about it. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. And also now Amazon, which is great. Now, oh, wow. our feature presentation for this month being our trick-or-treat month, we are here to explore films around the pagan holiday Halloween. We have the movie Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Now, David... First and foremost, thoughts.
1: So I think I need to preface it by adding that I've only seen one Halloween film and it is the original. Wow. Uh, so I didn't know what I was expecting going into this movie. I had a rough idea, but this was definitely not what I expected. Um, but I uh, I was a little pleasantly surprised with what I got. Um, out of watching this it, it felt very much as a uh, mystery adventure right um something fun to watch during october halloween to get you in the spoopy vibes right um it i yeah seems, i
0: completely agree with you
1: yeah it seems like it would have been a blast to watch um growing up and um i don't know it's it's entertaining to watch but i i I don't think you need to take it as seriously as it depicts itself to be. Um, But it's just fun to have on and just like chill out and not really have the stakes be as high as the movie thinks they are. Um, There were some moments where I was a little like confused and had questions about why things were happening. Uh, But ultimately, it's fun. Uh, It's funny... How this duo came to be because it just seems so ragtag and like out of the blue, but uh, it leads you to ask some questions at the very end, which I can't wait for us to talk about.
0: No, of course, uh, it's definitely a very interesting movie, and seeing how people respond to this movie is very interesting as well because people will either like this movie a good amount or people absolutely hate this movie.
1: I can I did see not, that,
0: yeah, I did not find a lot of people in between. Mostly because this is a Halloween three, aka somewhat of a sequel to Halloween one and Halloween two. But at the same time, Mike Myers is not in this movie.
1: Yeah, that's what I was waiting for the whole time.
0: (laughs) That's one of the biggest things too, and they actually show the actual original movie in this movie. So it's very interesting.
1: Yeah. Me going into this
0: movie, I was like, huh someone told me that Mike Myers is not in there. I was like, then what is it about? And I've seen gifts yeah. of like the kid in the mask and what happens to him. And I was like, okay. I mean, regardless, I'm going to watch it. It's going to be spoopy. I'm, I'm going to go in with an open mind and I'm glad I did. And I'm glad I knew that Mike Myers was not in it. So did not like take away my expectations for what kind of movie this was going to be. And I feel like that's what pissed a lot of people off. But I think overall, I enjoyed this movie. Kind of like what you said, it's something to not take super seriously. Um, It is a fun, goofy, very uh, off-the-walls type of movie as well. There's a lot of parts where I don't think it holds up as well as it could have been. But we'll talk about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think because of the Poltergeist episode, I had my expectations in check. Uh, because I mean, this movie released in 82. Right. And, uh, clearly the acting from Poltergeist kind of got me because it's aged very poorly. And I, I actually did go into this thinking like, don't be so tough on the acting this time around. Right. So my right. expectations were already pretty low. Um, but yeah, I was confused because I was like, how is this a Halloween movie? Um, but I, I thought maybe I was missing something because I've only seen the first one. So I'm kind of glad you put that perspective out there. Um, but I mean, honestly, main reason to watch this movie is for Stacey Nelkin. Um, that's right. all I have to say.
0: <laughs> True. And yeah, I mean, let's let's jump into it because it's a very interesting movie to talk about. And we'll see where this discussion goes. And of course, let us know how you guys feel about this movie before and after if we change your mind on some stuff, because I know some people hated it. I know some people love it. Uh, See if your same thoughts are like the same afterwards. But let's go in. Uh, So this is Halloween 3, Season of The Witch, directed by Tommy Lee Wallace, released October 22nd, 1982, with the runtime of one hour, 38 minutes. The budget for this movie was only $2.5 million. The box office got $14.4 million. So not a bad return. And this is where it gets a little divided. The score for Rotten Tomatoes is at 42%. Oh, damn. How about that? I, I'm is sure our, that's because
1: people wanted more Michael Myers and they just didn't get that, right?
0: Without a doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is probably our lowest scored movie that we are going to discuss. So it'll be very interesting to see what your thoughts are. I know where I'm kind of leaning towards. So, Is this yeah. your
1: First, Is this your first time watching this, Freddie?
0: Yeah, this is my first time.
1: Oh, damn. Do you it's have any cool. idea what Prince thinks about this movie?
0: I don't, but I would love to see. Ooh. I mean, he picked this movie for us, so yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure he either likes it or he knew it was going to be some very terrible and that we would discuss some good topics about this. I don't know. I, I'm sure we're going to reach out to him and we'll let you guys know what he thinks, too. And I'm sure if you guys follow him on Twitter, he'll tell his thoughts about this movie when it comes out, too. But, yeah, man, it's crazy. Uh, The Universal logo appears in its cool retro style. We hear loud static retro sounds and colors coming from a static screen as well. We get these cool extreme 80s music right out of the gates. And I was like, cool. This just reminds me. This is for sure an 80s movie. Yeah. Uh, I was like, cool. All the sound effects, the music. I'm all for it. Then we see what looks like a computer screen scaling up with the color orange. And that's when we see our title, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. And then our next title, a John Carpenter production. And I was like, cool. I'm all aboard. I'm done. You know, I'm I actually
1: did think, I totally thought of you when I saw that, Freddie, because I was like, oh, well, you love the thing. So I'm sure you're right. going to like this. Um, <laughs> yeah
0: i saw his name pop up i was like i'm okay with this movie already for w- better or for worse
1: i was about to say this but i just lost my thought but it quickly came back to me um with the subtitle of season of the witch i was like oh damn this is gonna get like pretty crazy isn't it and i think that title alone did set some expectation for me
0: i can see that too because knowing about mike myers and stuff like that it's like season of the witch i don't see the correlation yeah, yeah exactly yeah very interesting. It's. A- very interesting title to put in there in general, but uh, away from that, I guess. We see the remaining titles come in as we continue to see the screen full with orange and seem to be drawing something. The beeps continue as we continue to see what looks like eyes and what appears to be a smile on the screen. The beeps began to deepen. We start to really make out what the image is now. We get the written and directed by Tommy Lee Wallace as we now see that the image is a jack-o'-lantern. I like this intro to this movie very much. I feel like it was a strong opening of just leading up to that jack-o'-lantern. I don't know how you feel about it, David, but I was like, cool, I'm down for this.
1: Yeah, the, the first moments in this movie, and I say this as a compliment. I know some people may not relate to this, but the first moments in this movie had me very much feeling um, Disney Channel original movie vibes. And I actually like that. <laughs> so it felt like there was something something being built up here. And um, I was kind of excited to figure out what it was about.
0: I could totally see that. This is definitely like the original Disney movies of like Under Wraps or other movies like that too. Don't Look yeah, Under the Bed. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're talking I like late totally 90s, sure.
1: Turn of the Millennium, all that.
0: Oh. Those are always great. And I just saw Halloween Town. It's a fantastic movie. Everyone should see that movie. If you like Halloween, watch Halloween (laughs) Town.
1: Oh, yeah. I agree. Uh,
0: More jack-o'-lanterns there. Uh, The jack-o'-lantern flashes with static as we fade to black. Then we cut outside with the title Northern California. Then the title says October the 23rd. We see someone running in from the distance, getting closer to the actual camera. Tire screeching is heard as we see the guy is being chased by a car. He gets to a building and tries to get in, but the door is locked. He then goes to a trailer, but then again, the door is locked as well. The car reaches where he is and he begins to crouch and starts hiding behind it, not trying to be seen. The person in the car doesn't seem to look at him, and he luckily... uh, luckily, he doesn't get seen and the car begins to drive off. He goes behind the trailer towards the fence and turns back. We see the car return and begin to go towards him now. And I I, I put that that there's a really good like stalker shot of the car as it comes in, which is a really cool and sets the mood of suspense of the car slowly coming in through those gates. I was like, cool. The cinematography is going to be up here. So I love it.
1: Yeah. It definitely sets the tone immediately on like what this is going to be about.
0: Right. It, it's it's a good hook to see like, oh, why is this guy running? Why is the other guy chasing him? And I love that they don't really answer that question until way later on in the film too. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. That's and that's what and that's setup. where I made that Disney Channel original movie reference because I feel like that is a style that a lot of those movies opened up with, but it's it's just to pique your curiosity. And I've said it on the show many times before. I love when movies make me ask questions and I was immediately from the jump asking questions. I didn't want to be distracted from it.
0: I completely agree with that. It, it's good for a movie to not force feed you all of the answers all at once. And I do appreciate a director that does storytelling like this where they're just giving you imagery and then having the viewer guess what's going on. It's perfect mm-hmm. because it gets you involved. It's like, why is this guy running? And why is he in Northern California? I was like, oh, is this near Cali- uh, like near San Francisco where we are at? It made me think because it didn't give you a specific location, too. It's like, yeah. cool. Uh, but the man crouches around the car as he's hiding. And as he starts to move, there's a guy behind him in a suit that bumps into him. The man in the suit grabs him and puts him to the ground. He begins to choke him as the man who was running away begins to reach for a chain next to him. The chain is tied to a cement block holding a car back and having it placed there. He's able to pull on the chain, removing the block from the car's tire, making the car begin to roll. Now, I just put here, we get this ridiculously funny moment, at least for me. I feel like this part didn't hold up as well. Uh, The car is like slowly moving towards the man, uh, choking the guy. And he (laughs) notices it and still doesn't move out of the way and it slowly just crushes him. Yeah. That's kind of funny.
1: I at this point I was like, oh, this definitely feels like a John Carpenter film because of this acting. Um, but it makes sense. Like there's context to why. Yeah. Yeah, there's context to why that that looks so awkward and like not Not genuine.
0: Right. Yeah. Which we'll get to, which is yeah. (laughs) It's great looking back at it now from the beginning of the movie and how I felt to like afterwards (laughs) when I learned more information, I was like, okay. Now I can feel like that wasn't totally crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he finally notices the car rolling towards him, but it's too late. The car hits him, crushing him between two cars, and is. And I just put here is a pretty funny death scene. To be completely honest, yeah. Uh, I will say this: it is a clever death scene. For I have never seen anything like it of a slow moving car coming towards someone, crushing them in between two cars. So I was like, cool creativity. You're up there. Uh, The man in question crawls out of the car, uh, under the car, and the other suspect in the car chasing him now gets out of the car, but it's too late. The man runs off and gets away. We hear thunder as we fade to black. Then we open to a new scene. That reads, one hour later. We are now at a gas station, and it's pouring rain outside. We cut to inside and see TV is playing with some program about Stone Ridge. Uh, Stonehenge. Uh, That's when the camera pans to a guy smoking a cigarette and reading a newspaper. Then back to the TV with Silver Shamrock commercial singing their famous song, Eight More Days Until Halloween, 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 Eight More Days Until Halloween, Silver Shamrock. That song is going to get stuck in your head.
1: If you're listening to this, the day this episode's released, it should be Eight Days Until Halloween. If you're listening to this,
0: it's so good. This day, right now. (laughs) Prince planned this perfectly. It's crazy. Uh, And they're advertising three masks that people can choose from to buy. The storm begins to get worse as the power goes off. The man in the gas station begins to hear noise outside and he begins to look around. We get an awesome shot of the outside looking in at him through the window and then more shots of him inside. And It's like really cool transitions between that. And then we see the guy who was hiding, running from uh, the guy who was hiding and running from earlier, jump scare us all and grabs a man in the gas station. He falls to the ground and just repeats, "They're coming," as he takes out a pumpkin mask out of his pocket. Then we quickly cut to a tow truck driving in the rain. We then see the guy who is driving the car appear in frame, staring at them. And I put the sound effects in this movie is kind of funny. Every time they show um, the guys in the suits come from like out of frame into frame, you hear like this beaming sound. I don't know yeah. if you caught that. And I was like, no, wow, I did. This is very 80s. Yeah,
1: it, but, and exactly what I was thinking to you, Freddie. And I was like, I got to just take it for what it is. And once I do take it for what it is, yeah. I really enjoy it because I love that 80s charm. Right. Uh, it gives but it, as it, like as- aesthetic. Yeah, as long as the expectation is set, then I'll be like, oh, hell yeah, I'm so in on this.
0: It, it, it's just, it caught me off guard the first few times. And it kind of like what you were saying, you then accept the fact that this is a very 80s movie. You're going to hear mm-hmm. this more often. Just take it how it is. Yeah, and it, and It's great. It's great for what it is. That's when we cut to Daniel, played by Tom Atkins, walking into his home, getting out of the rain. We see him asking if anyone is home and then that's when we see his kids and his ex wife come out of the kitchen. They all scream daddy and are super excited to see him come home. They ask if they ask him if they brought him something, brought them something. He says one for you and another one for you, giving them a brown Mm -hmm. bag each. They open it and see that there are some mediocre masks inside. And I pretty (laughs) much put that in my notes. They were pretty mediocre. They're not great. Oh, that's funny. Uh, the material is just like that hard plastic, very cheap, you know. You know the ones. Uh, if you guys bought your kids that, I'm sorry, those are not mediocre masks, they're great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the kids look disappointed and ask, uh, and he asks, What, you don't like them? That's when they say, Mommy already got us some masks. And they're all uh, and they are silver shamrock. Check them out. Mom says, Nice try and they begin to wear their masks and start singing the same song 8 more days to Halloween know. Halloween 8 more days to Halloween silver I, shamrock
1: i have to add i love how this uh shamrock halloween mass look they look great man and i can't oh, yeah. blame those kids for throwing away the mask that their dad got them like what the hell yeah. is this
0: <laughs> look Mediocre. at these we <laughs> but no of course and one that has like that the ghoul like it's a ghost and the other one's a witch and it's well designed yeah. it's super yeah but they well look designed. amazing
1: man i want those masks
0: right i'm sure they sell them maybe oh no
1: i'd actually be too scared to wear them at this point absolutely
0: yeah <laughs> actually that would make me want to wear it still i don't know it's really weird i would get the pumpkin <laughs> one uh the pumpkin one's sick it's so sick Daniel gets a call and he begins to look worried and starts asking, how's the person's condition? That's when we cut to a new scene at him with, uh, at the hospital. We see that the guy from earlier with the mask is now at the hospital and he's completely passed out. The gas station attendant says that he came out of nowhere and he doesn't know who he is. Daniel then at, uh, thanks him and says that it's cool for him to go. We then begin to see a TV in the hospital room playing the Shamrock Silver ad. We hear the theme song play, and the guy begins to wake up. He grabs Dan and says that they're all going to kill us, all of us. That's when we cut to outside and see the mysterious man in the car looking for him outside of the hospital building. We then quickly cut back to the hospital and see the mystery runaway in a hospital room, sleeping. We see Dan and the nurse being playful as they walk down the hall. Now I can ask you, David, a real quick question about Dan. What kind of man do you think Dan is?
1: Um, I mean, honestly, point. so <laughs> it they definitely attempt to set up his image very quickly. It's he's divorced. He came to see his kids. He gave him gifts in a brown paper bag, uh, and I don't know. It, it, I feel like they wanted to depict him as a certain way, um, right? But he seemed like he. He didn't really care about much, if that makes sense.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. And at this point too, even like writing my notes and stuff like that, I thought he was still married to her. That I didn't think it was his ex wife until we find out later on. And I was yeah, like looking at this dude.
1: F- yeah, we don't find that on until later on.
0: Right. And you, you see him walking down the hallway with the nurse and he's very flirtatious and making jokes and stuff like that. And I was like, Huh, this guy's uh I gotta keep an eye yeah. out for this one.
1: I, I I had the same feelings. I did question if he was a sleazeball or not.
0: Right. I was like, um, is this another Paul? It's like, we just did a yeah.
1: House. And one thing I was also thinking too, like, especially depicted in films back then, like, uh, men are very touchy, grabby, and it makes me uncomfortable to see because it it, it looks so normalized back then, especially through movies. Right. And it's like... It kind of explains a lot of things about like, uh, men's behavior. So, right. yeah, I, it, it made me wonder if he was a sleazeball when we were getting this introduction to him.
0: Oh, for sure. It's like at that scene, I was like, hmm, we might have another Paul here going from our exactly, last movie yeah. that we talked about.
1: But it's funny because I thought about you wondering about that, um, when this, um, this started happening in the movie.
0: Oh, for sure. I was like, this is totally like, I'm either gonna like you or hate you right now. Yeah. But luckily, he, he was not that bad in the movie. But yeah, there are some parts where it doesn't really uh, hold up. It's kind of cringy. It's like we'll, we'll talk about it later. I have, right. I have
1: things to say.
0: Oh, for sure. I, I, uh, yeah, I'm sure we're going to be on the same page on a lot of stuff. But yeah. we shall continue. Uh, and I pretty much put here, too, the scene was kind of out of place as well. But the camera zooms back, and now we see the guy from the car inside the building. And I just put here, the score during this time is really good. And John Carpenter usually picks his music, and he did that for this movie. The score is great. Um, Yeah, I like it too. Yeah, it's so good. This is why I love John Carpenter. He's really good with that kind of stuff. (laughs) We get these awesome shots of the driver walking down the hallway. POV shots of his legs going towards the patient's room. And he begins to put on black gloves. And we continue to go down the hallway with him. And yeah, I pretty much put here, cinematography is really awesome. These are really cool shots. They didn't really need to do this, but they decided to have these frame shots of like his feet walking towards and like the over shoulder shot too, which is great.
1: Yeah, it's a really good touch.
0: Right. Uh, He reaches the room and begins to kill him. He covers his mouth, waking him up and raises his hand as we get a nice close up of it, then lowers his fingers into the man's eyes. Pretty brutal and a crazy kill. He begins to shake as his life finally gives out and he lays still. The pumpkin mask falls to the ground. Yeah, go for it.
1: Yeah, this was the moment where I was like, oh, okay. I see what this movie's about. Damn, that's pretty gruesome.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I did not expect that because you just see him raise his hand. I was like, what the hell is he doing? It shows his fingers and then plunges it into his eyes.
1: I thought it was going to be a cheesy, like... Poor acting attempt of a punch, but yeah, it it threw me for a loop for sure.
0: (laughs) I totally thought he was going to punch him too.
1: Yeah, me too. I totally
0: thought he was going for a punch, but he didn't. (laughs) Yeah, he did not. Uh, As the pumpkin mask falls to the ground, the camera cuts to it. We see the driver wipe his gloves in the curtain and gets caught by the nurse. He just calmly walks past her. And that's when we get a cut back to Daniel the doctor sleeping on the couch as he hears the nurse scream, knowing what she just found. He wakes up and starts running towards the room. And I just put here another nice tracking shot of him going down the hallway. And also the lighting is really good in this hallway as well as you get some blue highlights in the hallway. Mm -hmm. He, yeah, it's great. Uh, he runs outside and sees the killer get inside his car. He yells, Hey, that's when he sees him pour gasoline all over himself in the car and lights himself on fire.
1: The and that's the moment I was like, that's the moment I was like, okay, I'm in on this. I, I was shocked. I was like, whoa. I was yeah. not expecting any of that. So let's see what this movie has to say.
0: I'm glad you said that because this was the point of the movie was like, I have no idea where this movie's going and I'm okay yeah. with it. It's like, I'm down for whatever's coming because yeah, it's, it's not not it's not something you expect to watch in this movie at this point of the movie too. It's like, oh, Definitely he's just going to drive off. I still don't understand why he couldn't just drive off. No one's going to follow him. But
1: Well, it's funny. Nice it's funny touch. because I had to add cuz this my expectations did not come to fruition of what I thought this movie was going to be about because I <laughs> this guy lit himself on fire and exploded in the car. I'm like Oh, he's under the witch's curse. Of course, season of oh, the witch. Hey, I love that.
0: I love that. I didn't even put that together. <laughs> no, that's really good. Oh yeah, was because, it though? I think so. That <laughs> that's a great way to look at it because you have the title saying "Season of the Witch." At some point, I was expecting some witchcraft or something to happen. Yeah, me and too. It never really happens until like later on, which we'll talk about. But at the same time, it's like I still don't understand why this movie is called this. But at the same time, cool for it. Go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was a nice surprise. But that could have definitely been a way the story was going to go. He could have been under the spell of a witch. I could totally see that. So good call out. Uh, this is when we cut to Dan on the phone stating that he can't pick the kids up tonight. And that's when we hear some yelling coming from the other side. And that's when he moves the phone away from him, from his ears, and tells everyone in the room, my ex-wife, letting us know that they are (laughs) actually not together. Man, such a funny scene.
1: Yeah, and that's when we find out.
0: Right. Uh, He goes back on the phone and tells her to relax and says that two men died tonight. He said the kids can stay with him on Saturday night and he's very sorry. He he sees the mask on the table and picks it up and sees the logo, Shamrock Silver. He stands there for a bit and wanders. That's when we fade to the next scene. A new day, outside of the hospital, Sunday, the 24th. We see him in the patient room with the police now. The daughter of the man comes into the room to identify him. They pull the blanket and she admits it's him. She asks what happened. They said it was a guy who killed himself after what they may have seen be drugs. She, she pretty much gets really angry at that point because that's not the explanation. It's like, oh, some guy on drugs killed my father. So she eventually storms off. Dan goes into the hallway and sees her crying. She sees him staring at her and turns back around. He looks pretty much very sorry for her and then just walks off. Then we cut to the next day. Wednesday, the 27th. And this is when we are at the coroner's office now. He's asking the assistant of what happened. He expresses that this guy who killed the other man wasn't on drugs, that he was in complete control. He pleaded for her to give more information out. She asked that this really has gotten to him. He says that he's worked at the hospital for eight years and someone shouldn't have been able to just walk in. She then says she will see what she can do and he says thank you. As he leaves, she even gives him a small kiss and he thanks her again and leaves. She asks if he is fine uh, or if he's going to be alright, but there is no answer back. And then this was another scene. It's like, oh man, this guy's going around with all these women. It's kind of Yeah, crazy. he's a ladies man.
1: That's exactly sure. what I thought too. And it's like, funny because this, crazy. Uh, this kiss was so sudden. And he just walked away and she just stood there. And I'm like, oh, damn, history.
0: Right. It's crazy. And they, they have a little like back and forth later on and stuff like that, too. But yeah, you yeah. can tell that they've definitely dated at least. Um, yeah. And kind of like what you said, it was like all of a sudden the kiss came out of nowhere. And I was like, OK, I see you for sure, dude. And then for <laughs> him, it's like just natural. It's was like, oh, yeah, thanks. And then leaves. And she's asking if he's going to be OK no answer yeah. he's just he's
1: gone I'm, i mean sex sells right it's the 80s and i think they just really want to play up like the the ability to see yourself as his protagonist um if you were right. a movie goer and like for a male audience member it might be fun to see this guy i mean i mean it was all over the 80s right it's the the manly ladies man right the one right. that everyone wants so i think they were playing that up for sure
0: you literally stole the words from my mouth. Yeah, seeing like an um, 80s protagonist, he's got to be like the ladies man. Like everyone wants him. Everyone wants to be him. He's the hero. He's going to be the one that saves the day. So this movie definitely plays through those tropes, without yeah. a doubt. Uh, but we cut to him now at a bar watching a cartoon. He asked Charlie, the bartender, if there's another station. And that's when we see the ad for Halloween, the movie. And I was like, what is this? I am so confused.
1: When I saw that, I was like, okay, Michael Myers is not going to be in this, is he?
0: No, but I I don't understand. Like, like, in this universe, it's just a movie. The events never happened. Unless the events happened and they made that movie. But no, it's the same actors. So no, no, it didn't happen. (laughs) It's so confusing. But this is also Halloween 3. So, uh, okay, I'll take it. You know what? I'll take it and we'll question it.
1: It's it's Halloween just a name. I think they really wanted to like build off the momentum of the the Halloween title. And right. John Carpenter just wanted to make his own movie.
0: I'm sure. And but he was the one that created the Halloween movie. It's okay. I won't go too much. Oh, yeah, that's a good it. point. What am I but even it's saying? Funny, it's funny to think about the people who are waiting for Michael Myers watching this movie and that's all they get. They would probably be pissed off. I understand it now.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of funny. But what I was what I was trying to say was like he wants to like make something different, but he also I don't know, I'm sure like he didn't decide it or maybe he did. Who knows? But um what I'm thinking is they just wanted to build off the momentum of the name but also just want to make a different story. I could totally see that.
0: You're probably yeah. right. He wanted to go a different direction or maybe the studio wanted to go to a different direction, but they kept the name to get that popularity, mm-hmm. to get people in seats. Absolutely. Uh, he asked Charlie if uh, he could turn it off because pretty much before the ad continues, he says, Come on, come on. Charlie asks, You don't like to have any holiday spirit as he changes the next channel. That's when Dan just says, No. <laughs> That's when Ellie comes into the bar and says hi to him. He says, He knows who she is, and it's the daughter of the man who died. She says, thanks for being at the funeral, and then asks if her dad said anything before he died. He makes a quick joke that he said, tell Ellie I love her. And she responds, you're a bad liar, and begins to leave. <laughs> yeah, he I was like, why would you it. say that? It's kind of, yeah, it's like, your dad just died, and she's asking what her like, his final words are. And he's making the jokes like, oh, he
1: said that he loved you. I mean, I'm sure he was was like trying to console her and make her feel better. But at the same time, I feel like it's just not his place to even fill in the gap. Right.
0: And you don't know their relationship, too. They could have had like a bad relationship with each other. It's like, yeah. Very odd. But he grabs her and says, wait a second. He says that he saw something that night and said that he had a Halloween mask that he didn't let go. He then said that someone is going to kill everyone that his dad's, or her dad said that, that he doesn't know what the hell is going on and wants to know more information. That's when we cut to a shop that her father owns. She begins to say that she has been doing some detective research herself and has been going through all of his logs. She begins to go through those logs and names off a few dates of him picking up masks. Dan looks at the wall filled with the shamrock silver mass and says that's the kind he had with him. Ellie then says that he didn't go to dinner with Minnie nor called her, as it was in his planner. That something must have had happened in Santa Mira, the place where the where they produced the mask. That's when we cut to Dan on a payphone. Pay, sorry, I'm like sorry my words today. Dan <laughs> on a payphone saying that he is going to a conference and apologizes to his ex-wife. Says that he will be gone for a while and that he will take the kids trick-or-treating when he gets back. They begin to argue, and he just hangs up the phone and hops into the car with Ellie as they drive off. I just put here, quite the relationship they have. Sounds like it's just always arguing. Which, yeah, main reason probably they're not together.
1: Makes sense. Good point, good point.
0: Uh, That's when we see the camera pan to a TV store, and the Shamrock Silver ad plays. And we get the whole... Add again, I won't sing all the time, so I don't get this stuck in you guys' heads.
1: <laughs> it's already in there.
0: Oh, I'm sure. Seeing this movie, it's definitely stuck. Uh, we fade to them driving on the highway. Ali states, I wonder why the factory is all the way in the middle of nowhere. That's when Dan begins to tell the history of the company, that Santa Mira was founded in 1887, a farming community, grew up around a large dairy. After World War II, a wealthy Irishman Canal Cochrane converted it into a toy factory. Silver Shamrock Novelties. Now, given over the manufacture and sale of Halloween masks, which is the largest in the world. Proud community of mostly Irish. Then that's when Ellie questioned, Irish Halloween mask, question mark. He responds, in California, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really funny. And that's when they passed the sign, Welcome to Santa Mira. They drive into town and see the man. Uh, the whole town has a bunch of Irish establishments. Even a shamrock savings as well for a bank. But it's really weird. Everyone in the town stares at them as they drive in. We also get a cut to a street camera following them. They finally make it to the factory and Ellie says they need a plan. He says that we should go back to the gas station and ask around. Also, maybe pose as buyers and rent rooms in the motel so they won't have anyone watching them. And that's when we cut to them at the gas station and to the motel room. They talk to a guy and ask if there's any vacancy. He says, you came to the right place. And we cut to them in front of a room. Dan says to give him a minute, and as he runs to the office to see the log. As Ellie distracts the guy, we see a car drive by, and the guy selling the room says, there is Cochrane now. A great man, a true genius. And then we get this really creep creepy stalker shot of him driving, staring at her from his point of view. And that's yeah. when we see. Oh, it was so good.
1: I, I want to just add, so like with the with the town people watching and staring along with the cameras and then Cochrane, right? What did you think? What did you have any thoughts on why? everyone had their eyes on them.
0: It's really weird because I still don't know why they were doing it because I feel like not everyone knew or maybe the whole town was in on it.
1: So it's interesting. Yeah. At because the very beginning, we when I was really watching got an the movie, answer for that.
0: Right. In the beginning of the movie, I was like, these guys are definitely in on it. The whole town knows what's going on. But yeah, like we, so for, what you just said, I don't think they ever answered that question. Did they all know? Yeah.
1: So but, for me, I was still going with my witch theory and then I thought of like this town being an occult, right? Or something like that. And, Ooh, I love um, that. Yeah, it's like because you saying they're all in on it, I imagine them all just this town itself being a cult and they have plans for people that come in, whether it be like ritual sacrifices or something. Um, and I wish, I wish the movie played more on the town being involved because it really set the foundation for it and i'm sure there were maybe plans on that but maybe it just didn't make it into the final movie um so i'm really i'm really interested to think about what that initial plan was
0: right it's very interesting but it made for great suspense of like why is everyone staring And it's literally everyone is staring out the window of these two people coming into their town which they could be just driving by, but you just feel the intense stares at them. So I feel like it's very yeah. like effective. But at the same time, yeah, we never really get a full answer. And maybe they were going to go that route where they're going to use the town folk involved in some way. But maybe just a missed opportunity. But overall, it was kind of a cool scene to watch. Uh, as pretty much Cochrane drives by staring at her, that's when we see an RV roll up as well as we see a family get out, and they actually almost hit Dan as they all become to come outside and introduce himself. And that's when a little kid just comes out of nowhere and just grabs his bike seeing if it's broken and just rudely rides off. I was like, "This kid's a prick.
1: He's yeah, like I was like I'm his not gonna own like mom this off. kid.: Yeah. But again, it wouldn't be really an '80s movie without like some little bratty kid like this, right?
0: Oh, for sure, without a doubt. It's so good. And then the guy selling the room meets Dan there and says, oh, let's get you settled. And Dan says, I already checked myself in and I also left $40 if that will cover it. He said it would be more than enough and have a pleasant stay. Dan continues to walk and almost gets hit by another car. A lady gets out mad saying the damn factory is screwing up orders again and has to stay in this dump again as she walks off. Speaking about the motel. Dan gets into the room and tells Ellie, this place is a zoo. And I completely agree. It's like chaotic. (laughs) There's too many things going on. He almost got hit by two cars. Craziness. He then explains that her dad was indeed here from what he saw in the logs in the office. She gets really excited and starts talking about how she's going to go to the factory and find out what's happening. He says, slow down. It's getting late. I can use a drink. Let's take our time. (laughs) <laughs> she then asks if it's okay for her to stay there. And he says, of course, that, he'll, uh, that his clothes will last another day. That's when he says if he should get another room or he should sleep in the car, try to make her feel comfortable. And that's when Ellie seductively says, where do you really want to sleep? And he answers back, that's a dumb question, and goes up to her and kisses her.
1: I was like, whoa, that escalated quickly. <laughs> they did it different in the 80s. I was like,
0: damn, okay. <laughs> but like, Ally did the power moves like, where do you want to sleep tonight? It's like, she did. Wow. I,
1: I I support it, honestly. But at the same time, he's double her age. And I'm like, yikes. That's sure. a, little, a little suspicious.
0: And they, they bring that up later on too. Yeah. <clears throat> it's crazy. Uh, But we fade to a later time. An announcement coming from the factory. It's 6 p.m. curfew. All residents of Santa Mira curfew is now in effect. And that's when we cut to everyone going inside their homes and even bringing in their pet cats inside, making sure everyone's safe inside their homes. And now the streets are the streets are completely empty. Then we cut to night. We see the street cameras looking around for people. We see a white cat even jump over a fence and the camera starts stalking it. And then we see a POV shot of what the camera sees. It's kind of like an infrared, which is crazy. So I was like, I don't know. It was like heat seeking. I don't know. It was crazy. (laughs) It was very 80s. It was very like -like. predator-like. We cut to Dan leaving a store and goes down an alleyway with a bottle of booze and bumps into a what seems like I think he was a homeless man.
1: I think he was supposed to be depicted as homeless, yeah.
0: Right. Uh, And pretty much scares the hell out of him. He tells Dan that the bottle looks pretty heavy. Also that he has no diseases and if he can have a drink. He lets him (laughs) and he says thank you.
1: I couldn't believe uh, that he let him, honestly.
0: Right, but it was pretty funny. Uh, That's such a great line. Hey, that bottle looks pretty heavy. Can I help (laughs) you with that? That's pretty funny. Uh, He begins to question the homeless man about Cochrane, said that he made the town it is today and that he didn't even want to hire him and got outside resources he warns him about the cameras and says fuck you to him then says that he's probably listening and staring at them right now then says it will be their last halloween for them that he will burn this place down dan looks shocked and begins to walk away we cut to the homeless guy later on, drinking at the junkyard, singing the Silver Shamrock song. He walks into a van, and a guy flashes a flashlight right at him. He steps back and runs to another guy. These guys obviously work for the factory, and they're all wearing suits. And that's when they rip his head off. David, what do you think about this?
1: So I immediately thought of the thing, honestly, with this like body horror going on, and just oh, okay. like how... Yeah, how it was um executed. It was pretty cool. It's a little awkward though and kind of easy to like laugh at and call it cheesy because these guys are so mute. Like they don't express right. anything while they're doing this and it makes you question what's going on. Um, <laughs> so it's 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 kinda of funny. It's hard to take seriously or take it as spooky. Um, oh, for sure. Because there's just no I would love to there to be more expression but of course there's a reasoning why there isn't.
0: Oh for sure and I feel like yeah there's not a lot of scare to it but it's very unsettling it shouldn't be like that it should be yeah. it's it's weird and then yeah I gotta say the, the body horror is pretty fantastic in this Uh, kind of over the top very 80s but at the same time like what you said it definitely reminded me of The Thing mm-hmm. and it looked like yeah because you feel like how oh, was it just the skin stretch and you just see just uh, gore everywhere? And you're like, what the fuck? I didn't even think that was going to happen right now.
1: It, yeah. What's great about um, being in the right mindset to watch uh, these movies from like the 80s and 70s and so on, it's like you can see how there's a split second where they're holding the decapitated head. And you could so tell it's just prosthetics, right? It's just like they can't cover it up. <laughs> but it's it's it's, it's oh, charming sure. to see. You know, it's super charming.
0: Right. And it's for sure, like, it looks like it's practical effects, not special effects, which I'm always a big fan of. And that's what we saw in Poltergeist. That's what we saw in a lot of movies that we've seen in the past for this podcast. And I feel like going with the prosthetics, going with like actual livable things or like not livable things, but actual prosthetics, it looks so much better than what the 80s will have for CGI. So this was definitely the right move. Like yeah, the head comes off. They even gush blood out of his neck as he falls to the ground. It's just like those added little touches. It's not necessary, but they put it in there, and I appreciate it. It's not bad. Yeah, totally. As disgusting as sounds, it was a great kill scene. <laughs> <laughs> but that's when we cut to the motel, and Ellie's outside. We hear a loud honk, and it's the rude lady from before that almost hit Dan earlier, swearing about the factory. She apologizes and asks if she's picking up an order, and Ellie says yes. They make some small talk and then they part ways. We see the lady go into her room and she unpacks her bag, and we see her have kind of like a medallion or pendant of shamrock silver on it. We cut to Ellie coming out of the shower, grabbing a blanket, freezing, which is very weird to be honest. But
1: yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know
0: how you felt <laughs> about this thing. She comes right out of the shower. Grabs a towel and then grabs the bed blanket and wraps herself around it.
1: Yeah, I mean it is, it is October, right? So maybe it's just that cold. But I don't know. That shower looked really hot and steamy, and you know what I think it is. Mm -hmm. I think it's because the towel was just so small, and of course it was right—the one that she, the only towel she could have used out of the shower was super tiny, and the rest of her was probably cold. So she was like, "It's a motel. I don't really have anything else to use. I'm just going to hop in the blanket."
0: Now, us knowing the ending, maybe I'll bring it up later. Yeah, I'm going to bring it Let's up later. Let's talk
1: about that later because I, I do sure. want to go in on that.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, then, back with the other lady sitting in her bed watching TV. We get a quick cut back to Dan on a payphone. She, uh, he asks the coroner's assistant if there is anything new. She makes a poor joke about how something is cooking because the guy lit himself on fire. She then explains that someone had made a mistake and they have been doing an autopsy of parts of the car. C-4 something. Plastic and metal shavings. Two days wasted because someone mixed up the envelopes. She then asks where he's calling from, he says Santa Mira, the Rose of Shannon Motel. I'll check back with you tomorrow, he says. Dan returns back to his hotel room and Ellie seduces him once again. Then they begin to kiss and lay on the bed a very seductive scene as he begins to undress her. Then we very cut seductive.
1: To,
0: oh yeah. I like was
1: actually really surprised that that was in this movie because I was not expecting any of that.
0: Right. They kind of like slow down the pace in the movie just to have this scene, I feel like.
1: I mean, and I think that was I wish Prince was here because he's, you know, such a such a genius when it comes to like the history of this stuff, but like I oh, for sure. truly feel yeah. like horror in the like seventies and the eighties, like to get people to want to go in there. It's they put scenes like this in there to be like, "Yo, this is your opportunity to see a hot steamy scene," right? Because it wasn't as accessible back then as it is now. So a lot of people loved seeing horror because of these moments, because of scenes like this.
0: I could totally agree with that because this is definitely very intentional. It doesn't drive the plot anywhere specifically. And it's just there to show the viewers their connection, I guess. But at the same time, it slows down the movie unnecessarily at this moment in time. We're just starting to unravel the big mystery of what's going on. And I get it. They're like two young. Well, she's younger. <laughs> she's and young. And this bachelor <laughs> um, who's recently divorced, probably. Um, and he's on the road and they're alone. I get it. But it's definitely something that's not necessary to be in the scene. Um, but it is what it is. And So yeah. I, got a,
1: I got a premature movie fact for you.
0: Okay, um, absolutely.
1: In Stacey Nelkin's uh, contract, I looked this up after I, I watched the movie. She had a no-nipple clause in her um, contract. So she, was, she could have her um, breast on camera, but she can't have her nipple on camera. So they had to work around this scene trying to make it so her nipple wasn't exposed. And apparently that's how it led to uh, Tom Atkins sucking her nipple.
0: Right. Interesting. That's <laughs> that's one way to do it, I guess. <laughs> that's a, that's, yeah, I mean, <sighs> Jesus. That's, yeah, yeah know, that's a right? fun fact. Um, but we cut to outside and time has passed. As and they are in the bed listening to the ad of Shamrock or uh, Silver Shamrock. Ellie begins to kiss him again, and now Dan says, How old are you? After everything, this is the time he's asking.
1: <laughs> I she's know, right.
0: Terrible. <laughs> she says she's older than she looks. Hmm. They go for but round Dil
1: two. Dill <laughs> didn't tell her. Tell him.
0: Right, didn't tell him. But there it's very and uh, this is something I'll bring up later on when it becomes time for it towards the end. But I feel like there's something very specific that she says, like she's older than she looks where I feel like that's something, but I just,
1: I just, I had a epiphany in my mind, but it's going to have to wait till later on in the episode for me to speak on it.
0: There's a topic I really want to talk about, but it doesn't happen until the very end ish. But yeah, they pretty much go for round two. That's when we cut to the other woman in the other room. She looks down at the medallion she dropped earlier. She picks it up and starts studying it. She sees that there is a microchip on it. She takes a hairpin out of her hair and starts playing with it. And then it beams a laser right at her. Ellie hears it. Yeah, this was, it shocked me. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. A big blue beam smashes her face. Uh, Ellie pretty much hears it And asks what was that And Dan being in the situation he says Who cares We cut back to the lady and she's all types of messed up Her mouth is completely Blown apart And a bug comes out of it How creepy is that And the bug crawls up her face How
1: did you feel when you saw that Freddie Because I was really confused
0: Well okay, I'm okay with the beam hitting her Her face being blown apart and the thing that got me I was like, why is there a bug?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, why and that's, is that's what that I'm talking thing? about. Yeah. And it it felt weird because it was it was melding in like technology of like this item shooting a laser, blasting her face open, but then now there's a bug coming out of her and it again it made me think, Oh, the season of the witch. It's the right. witch, right? It's the so witch just, stuff. It's really setting me up to have this certain idea of what's happening, but it's it's really interesting to think about why this was titled the way it was.
0: Exactly. Because I love that you had that mindset throughout this movie. Because I feel like maybe 20 minutes prior, I already forgot there's even the title of Witch in it. I yeah. did not even think about Witch in general anymore. But yeah, it, it, was, it was creepy. It was a good shock factor because I did not expect it to. But at the same time, I was just like, they're confused looking at it. I'm like, I'm not really scared because I'm more confused and scared at this point. <laughs> Yeah. But we digress. Uh, we cut to later in the night, and they wake up to a sound of a van outside. We see a bunch of people take the lady out into the van. Dan says he's a doctor, but they don't let him go near the body. He says who's in charge of the body, and they say Cochrane is in charge. He shows up and says that he will be taking her to the factory to get an emergency treatment. He then whispers to the guy next to him, What happened? He said it was a misfire, and they just pretty much leave. Back in the hotel room, they discuss what what they meant by misfire. They decide to stick it out and stay for the night. We cut to the next day, October 30th. We see Dan back on the phone talking to the coroner assistant. She says that she thinks that someone has been tampering with stuff because all of her stuff that she's found is only dust and car parts that there is no indication that there was a body. We see her get information on... Uh, he asks her to get information on Cochrane and promises to make it up to her over a few dinners. They both hang up. And this is more like flirtation back and forth between them as he's sleeping with this other girl right now. And I'm just like...
1: Yeah, he's just... He's okay, just dude.
0: <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> I see you. Uh We cut to the factory and them arriving. They go to the... Uh, they go to check the records inside the office of the factory, and they show that her dad was indeed there and picked up, her, picked up his orders. Another person even comes up and says that he even saw him drive off. As they walk out, they run into the family that was in the RV. Cochran also then comes out of the office and announces that the father of the family sold the most masks all over the place. He then goes to Dan and says that he apologizes for the night prior and that the lady will be just fine and be sent to San Francisco. He tells them that he will p- replace their order for free as well as everyone applauds and cheers. They all get offered a tour now. We cut to them to uh, we cut to them to a room manufacturing a very creepy mass. and it's kind of like those um, I forget what they're called. What they fill it with? Uh, pre-made fillers to make the mask, and it's like super creepy and i love They're it. like moldings moldings thank you yes yeah you see the molds of the mask, and you just see the shape of it and it looks super creepy and i was like this is really mm-hmm. cool
1: yeah it is cool to see actually
0: yeah it, i put here to like it's really cool to see the process of what goes through to make an actual mass for halloween so i was like cool
1: yeah uh, totally it's cool
0: they pretty much go over the process and it's pretty cool i'm not gonna lie then we see them go into a cool room with a hall of fame of toys. Then we head to a room that has all of the finish masks. The little kid that's with them expresses that he wants one of them from the rack. And Cochrane quickly takes one of the packaged items and says that this one is going to be better because the other ones haven't been through final processing. Then they ask, what is final processing? But Cochrane stays away from answering the question says so it's, it's a secret, and if I were to show you, there are chemicals so we can't go very near it. The whole family is just loving this guy too. Then uh, <laughs> they're just like pumping them up. It's like, "Oh, this guy's a genius. oh, he's the best." And they're like really really adoring this person. They're like idol, it up. right Yeah it's like, oh, Cochrane's so great. Cochrane does this. It's like, relax. <laughs> relax. Uh, when that's when they start going towards the outside? And that's when Dan looks around and sees that there is a bunch of security around the entire place. Dan grabs Ellie real quick and says that they should be get going. They begin to walk away and he says that there's a lot of people that look awfully familiar, a bunch of the guys in suits. The same look like the guy who killed her father. That's when a garage opens up and Ellie spots her dad's car and starts to run towards it. Before she can even get close to it, all the security block her path. How creepy was that man?
1: Dude, did you think they were gonna do something to her right on the spot?
0: I, I thought about it, but I was like, oh, the other family's there. They're good. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I exactly. feel like that's what that, I was, that like
0: blew their cover for sure.
1: I was wondering. I was like, is, is it gonna go down right here?
0: It could have. It easily could have. Because you see like Cochrane's face and they get really close up shot. He's like pissed. Yeah.
1: He's yeah, like exactly. very mad.
0: He's like, Oh, I know why you're here now. I feel like they just exposed themselves in the scene. hmm But uh, pretty much I put here, Cochrane stares at the other guys, the R V family, and says, oh, trade secrets. It's like, damn. an <laughs> answer Hello for everything. It
1: off.
0: Right. Yep. Uh, we cut back to them at the hotel and they start to begin to pack. And Dan says he will call the police. He leaves the hotel room but doesn't lock the door, idiot.
1: I know. Uh, it was like that's very 80s too just like making a dumb move like that and the character being ob- oblivious to it and then the audience right. being totally aware of what's about to happen it's like
0: Dan come on man <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to have that rhyme sorry uh, <laughs> Dan runs to the office but no one is there he begins to call the operator but the phone isn't working then the ad comes on song uh, the pretty much the main theme song comes again uh, he tries to call again to the operator, but there's nothing. Uh, he leaves the office. He heads back to the hotel room, but the door is now completely open. He calls for Ellie, and she's not there. He heads outside, and we see five suited men just staring at him, lined up in All a row. All lined
1: up, yeah. Super creepy, menacing.
0: And let's think about the scenes. Like he goes right outside sees all of five of them, all in suits, lined up, it's dark out, looks like they put some fog in there. I was like, damn, didn't expect that. The big thing (laughs) is like, you don't expect five of them, maybe one. Yep. But it was that much creepier, so that was a good touch. Uh, He quickly closes the door, but they bust in. He's able to climb outside the back window and begins to run down the street. There are several cars searching for him at this point as well, as he's hiding behind a bunch of houses and fences. We see a sh- uh, on the car, it shows the logo of Shamrock. And pretty much we see a little cutscene of Ellie getting out of a car into a garage as the garage door closes. Dan makes it to a payphone, but still has no luck trying to get to anyone. We see a car pull beside him on the street next to him. He hides quickly as the car begins to take off and he begins to run again. I pretty much put here, this is a pretty intense scene when he's running around the whole entire town. Because this is what feels like the whole town was looking for him. And this is why I thought the whole town was in on it. But I guess it was all the guys Ah. in the suits. Yeah. So I feel like they could have used that effect if they actually went that route of actually using the town folk. Like, everyone's looking for them. That'd be great. That's a
1: really good point. Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, but still, very intense scene. A lot of suspense. The music score is killing it. So... I enjoyed this scene a lot. Uh, He makes it to the factory loading dock, and he tries a window, but the light turns on quickly, and he quickly ducks down. He then climbs through a different window and into the room where they have all of the creepy masks. He goes downstairs to the old antique, antique toy room and proceeds to go forward. We see him go into the next room, but there is a surveillance camera there, and he quickly hides He goes into an office and closes the door. Um, Pretty much he sees another door and creaks the door open. And we see this old lady knitting. He asks where the girl is and begins to shake her. And her head falls off. She is just an animatronic.
1: Yeah, she looked very real. I honestly thought it was an actual person.
0: Okay, you know what's really funny? At this point, I was like, huh, I remember the title. Is this the witch?
1: Yeah, and I thought the exact same thing too.
0: And it wasn't. But that's okay. It was an animatronic, which was still yeah. a really good twist. Because I did not see it. It was that kind of a too.
1: Yeah, it was a good twist, but also a a letdown for me because I was like, Where's the witch?
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I guess the witch is well, we'll talk about it, but <laughs> a guy behind him grabs him and pushes him to the ground. He begins to punch him, but nothing. He grabs Dan and starts to choke him on the ground, but then Dan is able to overpower him, and he gets on top. He then punches him in the gut, and that's when we begin to see this weird yellow goo come out of his stomach and out of his mouth. We see Dan look at his hand. and feels weak, and looks like he's about to faint. It was really a weird Mm -hmm. look. And then that's where more couple of guys in suits begin to grab him. And then we see the older gentleman, Cochran, coming in with the decapitated head of the old lady and says, Clumsy, saying it's an (laughs) antique and he was fixing it. Dan asks where Ellie is. He responds, she's resting. He then says it's going to be Halloween morning soon, a very busy day for him. They take Dan away and we fade to the next day. Sunday, the 31st, Halloween. Man, what a scene. How'd you feel about like all of that sequence of him going inside the factory and then the animatronics and the, the yellow goo? How'd you feel about that?
1: I mean, it didn't catch me by surprise, but I like that we're moving along and figuring out what's happening and we're starting to get some questions answered. But um, it made me want more. Well, I was basically seeing, I was ready to see what's coming up next, but with what we do get, I uh, started to realize, I'm like, oh, this movie isn't what I thought it was going to be at all.
0: Right. This, it started to give me uh, alien vibes with like. uh, Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. with Man, with Ash and they finally find out that he's pretty much a robot and Mm. it gave me those vibes a lot it's kind of cool to see that in this movie too because i love that movie so much so i kind of wanted to see where this was going to go with with this but it was a nice surprise i'm not gonna say like it was a good twist but kind of like what you're saying i started to get a little bit disappointed at this point but i had hope for it because it was something i love from a different movie so i was like cool let's let's see where this goes yeah i'm sure a lot of
1: people i'm sure a lot of people weren't surprised that you know these are robots that we're dealing with because from the very beginning, uh, the movie tries to show you something is up with these these suits.
0: Right. And it's it starts to make sense. It's like why they're so emotional. I mean, not emotional at all. That they're not human-like at all because they're not.
1: That they lack emotion.
0: Right. It, it's cool. It, this is definitely a cool movie to probably rewatch, knowing those facts.
1: Because yeah, then you start totally.
0: realizing things.
1: I can totally see uh, that.
0: Yeah, But we see the two guys, Carrie, Dan, and Cochran going outside of the factory. They head to an elevator that says Final Processing. Cochrane begins to talk about his master plan. Of course, that's what villains do in the 80s. You got to tell them <laughs> everything. Yep. Uh, one of the guys in the suit sneezes, and Cochrane even says, Convincing, aren't they? This shows us that the guys in suits are just animatronics as well. They make it to the lower level, and he says, "Don't you? That's like you're about to find out a lot of information. You probably see a lot of stuff that's ancient and also modern technology that he will soon understand." And the room is filled with people and computer equipment. There are, are some of them bringing the mass in as well. Then we see the big stone hedge, and he says, "It had. Um, they had a great time getting it here." That it's a sacrificial ritual, that it has power and force, even a small particle. Then says devastating. They head towards the computers. He says you asked about the girl and shows him the monitor that has her tied up in a room. Then they show the other lady dead, and it was just. And he explains that it was just a misfire. The others, on the other hand, says there's going to be a demonstration. That's when we cut to see the family from the RV walking down the hallway. They enter a weird living room setup that has no windows and has a locked door. They give the dad a notepad and pencil and locks them in. They monitor them from the screen. They all start to have small talk inside. Cochran then says, roll it. We see the TV turn on and the ad plays. Saying it's time It's time for the big giveaway. All you lucky kids with silver shamrock masks gather around your TV set. Put on your mask and watch. Gather around and watch the magic pumpkin. A pumpkin appears and begins to flash. The mother says this is all one big joke and begins to laugh. Then the mask begins to get tight on the kid. And he begins to fall on the ground. She begins to notice and stops laughing. The kid is dead. And all the bugs are coming out of him. The mom begins to faint. Then we see a snake come out of him. And the dad begins to scream. He tries to get out, but it's locked. The dad gets bit from the snake and becomes dead himself. And pretty much as the ad continues to play in the background, the music intensifies. And Dan is just looking through the monitor and looks very bad and looks very pale. They make him go away and the music just stops.
1: Dude, that what a scene, crazy scene was gnarly. And I think that was probably the best scene in the entire movie. Um, For sure. When we're talking horror, right? Because um, I think with the um, connotation that the mask is on the kid's face, it makes it so much more realistic to when this like this dummy of the kid is actually there and a snake and bugs multiple snakes are coming out of it it looks so twisted but it looks realistic Um, it's
0: super scary
1: yeah and that's what's super impressive about the scene because how they played with that mass it it's it's awesome it's it's twisted it's scary um and it's just it's gross but in like a a good way it's a really impressive scene
0: it's one of those things It's like, it's scary because it's a bunch of children that you know are, are going to die. They're going to be the ones being exactly. sacrificed. Yeah. And that's just a scary thought. They're just innocent. Like, it's a child. Celebrating Halloween, going to their TV screen. They've been singing the theme song for weeks at this point. Mm-hmm. Being so hyped up for something that they're feeling like it's going to be a giveaway. They're going to win something. It's a great time to like hang out with your family. And this is the result. And like you said... Yeah, you make a... Oh yeah, go for it.
1: Sorry, I was going to say, you make a really good point on what the scariest thing about it is the... um, What this is ultimately about is all the kids that will be wearing these masks on Halloween.
0: Right. It's it's like what he said, what Cochran said is devastating. The power that's about to happen that night at 9 p.m. during the giveaway... It's devastating. Crazy, man. Crazy. And I, I love what you said, too, about the mask. The mask allows them to, like, become so creative of having all those bugs come out and not being able to, like, maybe CGI that. And maybe they actually mm-hmm. put real bugs inside the mask to have them come out and snakes. It just worked so well. It was so it clean. It was very impressive.
1: Yeah, it looked Very amazing. clean.
0: But we cut to the next day. We open to daytime outside the TV store with the ad playing. Happy Halloween, 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 Silver Shamrock. It's the day. (laughs) The day is here. It is Halloween. Then we see a bunch of kids buying masks. The ad continues that the giveaway starts at 9 o'clock. And to not forget their masks... And then we get a montage of different places with a bunch of kids wearing those masks. We get Louisiana, Los Angeles, Seattle, Arizona as well. And we hear the ad playing everywhere. And that's when we see the coroner assistant try to call for Dan, but there's no answer. She calls for someone else to check out something, and they said they'll be there the next afternoon. While on the phone, we see one of the men in the suit come inside. She hangs up and we see the guy grab a drill. Not going to end well for her, I put here in my notes. Um, but she plays around with the medallion that she has found in the car, and she figures something out that everything is animatronic inside. She then tries to call for the police, but then gets grabbed. He turns on the drill and we cut behind the table as he plunges it into her head. We cut to the clock. 7:30 PM. How'd you feel about that scene?
1: It just again, I just want to see what's gonna happen. Um, sure, I'm, I'm. at this point. I was like, okay, I want to get to the climax. At this point, like, I want to see like where this is all gonna like accumulate.
0: I like that. Yeah, this scene. I, I feel so bad for her because she's always been like trying to help out and everything, and nothing's been really revolved around her. And then she's just, like, another, like, bystander who just eats it in a very terrible way. Yeah. Poor girl. Uh, We see a quiet night in the town. We cut to Dan tied up in front of a TV. He asks why he's doing it. That's when Cochran says, do I have to have a good reason? He then says, Mr. Koeffler was right, you know. I do love a good joke. A joke on some children. He says that you don't have to know much – you probably don't know much about Halloween, that the Samhain Festival was, uh, was celebrated over these Halloween days in this uh, Celtic um, tradition, Celtic uh, tradition. He says that the last great one was thousands of years ago when the hills ran red, blood of animals and children, that it was part of witchcraft. Finally, our title makes sense. (laughs) Yep. I was like, finally. Okay, so he's pretty much a witch. Gotcha.
1: But also not what I was expecting, (laughs) you know?
0: Right. Pretty much, yeah, it's a sacrifice movie towards the end. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, I'll accept it. And he pretty much says, it's time again. He says that the planets decide these things, that they are in alignment that he's glad he will be able to watch it unfold. He puts a mask on Dan and wishes him a happy Halloween. And that's when he plays the TV. And again, it's the Halloween movie that's on the TV. Taunting us. So good.
1: Yeah, I know. And it it's kind of funny. I, I think for me at this moment, it actually took me out of it. Because I'm wondering why of all things he's putting on the tv it's this and i know it's like just a little easter egg but it, it's i don't know i guess he's just waiting for a commercial to pop up but it's right very it feels very forced to me
0: absolutely forced and i feel like maybe that's what pissed a lot of fans off from like the actual yeah. halloween movie they're like okay yeah, that's what i was gonna add you too. did not give me mike myers and you're showing me halloween the movie twice yeah. now
1: I'm sure a lot of people felt like they uh, they were like slapped in the face with that.
0: Right, critics was like, "Yep, 45% Rotten Tomatoes makes sense." <laughs> uh, but uh, Cochrane and his goons begin to monitor him from the camera. He tries to wiggle out of the restraints, and he pushes the TV and breaks it. Cochrane does answer the phone, so he doesn't notice. We cut back to Dan, and he's able to get out and throws the mask onto the camera. As Cochran talks business on the phone, Dan manages to get the vent open. He then tells the person over the phone that he hopes his kids will be watching the giveaway. And in my notes, I put, what a dick. It's terrible. (laughs) He's like on a conference call about the business, about sales. He's like, oh, yeah, make sure your kids watch this show because I'm going to kill them. Terrible. Yeah, it's
1: messed up. Very slimy. He's he's a big, bad villain in the 80s movies. So, of course,
0: he's got to do it. Right. And us, the viewers, knowing what's going to happen and hearing him say that is like, you are definitely rooting for Dan to like save the day. Yep. Uh, so Dan crawls into the vents and Cochrane finally realizes that he escaped. Then Dan opens a vent to the roof. He climbs up a ladder and down the catwalk and opens a door into the factory. He's in the room with all of the shipping boxes. He gets on the phone and warns his ex-wife to get rid of the mask for the kids. She just blames him that he's drunk and he's jealous and hangs up.
1: I know. I hated Damn. that. I was like, "Woman, listen to him."
0: Uh, maybe she has a right to be angry with this guy. We don't know. Maybe wow, you're so understanding,
1: Freddie. You're right.
0: Maybe they broke up because he cheated on her. The way he's acting, I could definitely see that. We don't know Damn, the side of the deep. story, right?
1: <laughs> we're getting deep on this. <laughs>
0: Knowing this character and how he is, you never know. Maybe she's in the right, he's in the wrong, but that's what got his <laughs> kids maybe or maybe not killed. We'll find out. But uh, he calls someone else and then listens that someone's on their way, so he puts the phone down. He goes to the room with Ellie and starts to untie her. Cochrane sees this and sends his goons. Then we get a time of 8.26 p.m. They run throughout the factory trying not to get caught. They use a cart with masks to even sneak their way into the main room. The room is packed with men in suits. Dan grabs one of the medallions from one of the shipping boxes, and he tells Ellie to wait here. Dan sneaks behind some of the computers and gets one of the terminals and plays the ad. He runs off and grabs one of the boxes filled with medallions inside and goes upstairs. We hear the ad say, It's giveaway time. And that's when he begins to drop a bunch of the medallion chips on the computers and men in suits from the raptors above. They all become activated and begin to shock everything in sight. The whole operation goes up. Cochran just stares and looks around. He turns around and sees that it is, it's finally going into like the ritual circle and something indeed was happening with the Stonehenge. The circle begins to glow, and the connection to the Stonehenge blows everything up, including Cochrane. They run out of the factory, and we see massive explosions behind them. They drive off as fast as they can. Dan plays on the radio, and it's 8.48 p.m. now. We hear the ad play on the radio about the giveaway. We see Ali then straight up attacks Dan out of nowhere, and he loses control of the car and crashes it into a tree. Now, David, what did you think was happening at this point?
1: Okay, so we need to backtrack just a little bit for me to like communicate my thought process here. So, okay, when, yes, when he goes to when Dan goes to um, save Ellie from the table she's tied up on, and they go through the process of trying to destroy everyone. I'm sitting there wondering like, huh, they really just stopped giving Ellie any lines at this point. It's a little odd. And then as time had gone on, I'm like, she's really quiet. Something's weird about this. And when they were driving and trying to escape, I also was thinking, dude, she has not said anything. What is up? Something's up. And then that moment right before she starts to attack, I'm like, (gasps) she's a robot, but or one of them. But let me let me ask you this because we need – this is what I really wanted us to talk about, Freddie. Right. Initially, when we were watching, when I was watching, right, I had thought that Ellie was human the entire time. And I thought that they had made another Ellie in the process of them being separated, right? But right. after the movie ended, I asked myself, was she one of them the entire time? But that leads you to suspect, if that's the case, why did Ellie come to persuade Dan to come there? Like, what was Dan's connection to all of this? There really wasn't any other than he helped her, quote-unquote, father for just a small moment. It, it it made me ask a lot of questions, and it made it seem like it it there wasn't any substance behind it, right? So I want to ask you this. Was she a robot the entire time, or was she a, a fake that was created while they were separated?
0: Yeah, okay. You explained a lot of good stuff that made me double-think what I thought. But I think, okay, from my perspective, before you even said that, I thought she was a robot the entire time. Okay. Now, that being said, I think that she was made specifically to keep him away from stuff and keep eyes and keep track of him. I think that she was never the daughter of that guy. That yeah. that person found out what was going on. They sent her to go in there and find out what people knew and saw that he was the guy that was interested. And then when they met at the bar, it just showed that he really was indeed interested. And then he pretty much fell for the trap of being like not really a womanizer, but maybe Cochrane knew that and knew that he was gonna fall into her trap of like oh this young woman's gonna be all alone she's very sad she wants revenge for her father let's have him on this wild goose chase and maybe stop him from stopping everything but at the same time I like think, okay. you're right you, he has no real connection he's not really an important character he just ended yeah. up being in the right place at the right time finding out what's really going on so I'm so, up in the air for it now
1: Let's continue this theory crafting, right? So Dan is someone that came into contact with this person that was murdered, and he happened to be his doctor. And he, like you said, was in the right place, or I guess the wrong place at the wrong time, and was curious, started asking questions. If we go back to the midpoint of the movie, we have the homeless man, right? That is wandering the the town saying that, yeah, he uh Carpenter has uh Sorry, not Carpenter. Uh, what's the, uh, the main villain's name? Oh, Cochrane. Cochrane. Cochrane has eyes on everyone, and he's probably been watching you this entire time. So, right. that being said, um, he probably has information that this doctor saw a glimpse of who did this and saw the explosion occur, right, when the robot destroyed themselves. Now, think about this. The idea of sending a very young, very attractive woman to investigate if this guy is curious or not. Like you said, there's that bar scene and she eggs him on by basically being a damsel in distress, needing a hero. And this guy is willing to fill in those shoes of a hero, right? He's already a doctor. He wants to help people. So it's not really that hard to like... Eggemon, especially when she's so young and attractive. And honestly, the reason why I say that is because with a man that is divorced in his 40s, very likely is going to be pursued, I mean, persuaded to want to help her. Then, if you continue throughout the story, and they get into town, him, I mean, him being seduced by Ellie, right? Um, (laughs) It kind of locks it in that's like, there is a reason for him to be infested now because they're romantically involved and I mean there is a huge difference in level of attraction because of their age gap I'm sure he's not willing to give that up so easily so he, she kind of ensnares him to come deeper into the mystery of the factory so he can ultimately be taken care of by Cochrane.
0: Right. That's so my theory. It's very interesting. And I bring back to the point where I talked about, I was like, oh, how old are you? And she's like, oh, I'm older than when I look. I feel yes, like yes. she's been manufactured a long time ago or something like that. And she's been used. But at the same time, if we think about all of the other animatronics, all the other robots, they're emotionless. She's not. She has emotion. That's she's shown point. emotion. And then at, there's a a, towards the point. end, she's stopped showing emotion. So maybe there was a switch.
1: All right. Now let's go back to so a previous very interesting. scene when Dan and Cochran are going down the elevator to the lower floors of the factory. And now this makes sense. I didn't think about this until this very moment. But there's a moment where Dan looks to the left at one of the suits and he coughs. Clearly a robot doesn't need to cough. But then Cochrane explains, very impressive, huh? They could really adapt right. and be human like when they need to. So that shows that if Ellie has been a robot the whole time, she can just turn it on and be emotional if she needs to and that scene whatever she's coughing yeah exactly that scene of one of the suits coughing just shows that they can do it if they need to
0: interesting i think this is definitely something that could be up to debate it could be that she is it could be that she's not there's a lot of evidence for both
1: and that is the reason i think to watch this movie it's the the fun aspect of theory crafting this plot point uh, for sure because everything Without a doubt. everything can be taken for surface value but again i love asking questions in films and being able to theory craft and all of that uh and there's i i wonder if there, there's sometimes a way to know if you're right or wrong but it's just fun to do it for fun's sake and exactly um, i hope no one's listening to me and be like oh you're such a fool what are you talking about I, i'm just trying to have fun with it
0: no absolutely it's, this is definitely a movie meant to have fun with it doesn't I feel like the movie that itself doesn't take itself too seriously because the plot is, like, all over the place. Uh, at the same time, there's a lot of stuff. It's, like, even not giving the answers about the, to- uh, the town people, you can start making up theories about that. Or doing, like, what was the ritual really made for? We know that he's doing a ritual, but what does the ritual get out
1: of it? They talk about, exactly. like... what you, What's the point of it?
0: Right, exactly. And they touch upon, like, oh, we used to do this to get, like good crops or something like that. But I feel like there's other motives behind that. Or like, how did Cochrane become involved? Is he like a witch himself? Are there other witches that are trying to do the ritual? And then the way the movie ends is very open to, we don't know exactly what happens. Does the, well, we'll talk about that. But, there's a lot of questions that come out of this movie, which starts really good discussions. Which I do like too, like what you said. It makes it that much more yeah. better because- You can talk about it with your friends and have this debate. And it's great. But yeah. Yeah, I will continue. Uh, Pretty much he loses control. Sorry, what was that?
1: I said please do.
0: Okay. (laughs) Will do. Uh, He gets out of the car and Allie begins to choke him. And I put here, good twist. He gets a tire iron from the trunk of his car and hits her, taking off her arm. And now we see she's a robot. And I put here in my notes, another twist. He hits her again, (laughs) and her head comes off, exposing the wires. We see her body on the ground still moving and hearing mechanical parts. He gets into the car, and we see her severed arm come back and attack him one last time. And I put here on my notes, another twist. He looks (laughs) at his watch, turns around, and her body attacks him one more time. I was like... Okay, too many twists.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I thought the same thing.
0: (laughs) I was like, there's too much going on. Uh, He then just... (laughs) But her body finally gives out and finally dies. He then just runs into the darkness. We cut to the guy at the gas station again from earlier, and Dan reaches him. He asks for the phone, and it's life or death. We see that it's a minute away from 9 p.m. We cut to him on the phone asking to take the ad off the air... We see the ad continuing to play on the screen, and now we begin to see that there is, pardon for our intermission, and the channels are starting to turn off. But it still plays on other channels. He says it's still playing and yells, stop it, several times as we see the ad not stopping, and then credits.
1: And then every child on the planet died.
0: Or maybe it gets turned off right on time. Who knows? Ooh. Exactly. <laughs> Is his kid safe? Is he really jealous of his ex-wife? We don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Find out in <laughs> Halloween 3.5. That
0: would be hilarious. So I wonder if, yeah, I, I don't think I've seen Halloween 4. I don't know if they continue this or it just goes straight to Michael Myers. Because I know it does eventually. But very yeah. interesting to see. But David, what are your thoughts about this movie?
1: Yeah. Now, so after I talking mean, about it. I think, I think I'm think i in a very special predicament where I've only seen the first Halloween. And I'll be honest, I only saw it for the first time uh, in 2019, which is a year ago. Um, so I think I'm in a place where I don't have this expectation of what Halloween is supposed to be. So I can take this film for what it is. But I can see where people may not like this movie. I'm sure, I'm sure people watch Halloween for Michael Myers. I think that's pretty obvious, right? Um, and I'm sure after this, uh, I think you're right, Freddie. I think the, the the movie after this, Halloween Four, is called The Return of Michael Myers, and I'm sure it's a response to people wanting Michael Myers back. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't. I don't have that that burn that people may have felt. And I think this movie would be cool for people that don't have experience in Halloween, but need to have the expectation that this is not what Halloween is probably about. Um, it was cool to watch. I, I think it, it's cool to watch around this time of the year during Halloween if you just want to have like continuous uh, Halloween themed movies going throughout the month. Put this on your, on your radar if you uh, aren't too invested in making sure Halloween is all about Michael Myers.
0: I completely agree. I think this is a very fun watch. It's a very good Halloween-type movie in general. I think a lot of people can get a real kick out of it. And like we were talking about, you can have a lot of good discussions and theories about this movie. I feel like they can even make a sequel out of this movie, too, and seeing what happened, maybe the after effects. uh, If it continues, it's just going to be something very, like, satanic or, like, evil happens afterwards that people have to survive. Like, the possibilities were endless. But once we go into the movie facts, I do read one right now where I'm like, okay, this all makes sense now. But I got to say, score is fantastic. Um, I would say the body horror is really good. I would say the cinematography is really good. Storytelling is pretty solid. Pacing is pretty good. So it is a very solid Halloween movie. So if you guys haven't seen this movie yet, please go check it out. Let us know what you guys think. But David, I got some movie facts.
1: Movie facts.
0: And exactly what you said. After Michael Myers died, spoilers, at the end of Halloween 2, the plan by John Carpenter was to make a new Halloween movie each year, telling a different Halloween-related story. After this movie underperformed at the box office, the filmmakers brought back Michael Myers for future sequels.
1: That makes sense. There you go. Yeah, there you go. It makes sense, and I'm sure it was, a, like you said, it was just a response of people just being like, "Where's Michael Myers, bro? Like, like come we on, want him? And yeah, they're like,
0: can you stop showing the same movie that we love and this movie that yeah. we hate?"
1: <laughs> but I think, I think that's the thing with creators. Creators want to keep continue creating, and they don't want to do the same thing over and over. So he he probably was like, "I can expand this to be bigger than what it was," uh, but people just didn't respond well to that.
0: Right. yeah, That's okay. This is its own movie, and it's great. But if you tie it back to the Michael Myers, then yeah, I can see why people don't like it.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, Of course, the theme song of Silver Shamrock jingle is London Bridge is Falling Down. Uh, This was chosen (laughs) because it was the public domain for it. So they're like, oh, we can use that song? Cool.
1: That's really funny that things like that um, are the reasoning for its usage, but it becomes, I think such an iconic part for the movie. And it's like, not a lot of thought <laughs> was into it. It's just like, this is what we have to work with. Let's use it. Exactly.
0: It, it, it's funny. And then it becomes like iconic and gets stuck in your head and it's a jingle mm-hmm. and everyone it's knows catchy. London bridge is falling down. And I didn't correlate it with that. I did not know. I so, didn't either. Yeah. I think it's the thing that in our heads, we feel like we've heard this song before and that's what got stuck in our heads. With the Mm -hmm. jingle, it's because we really familiarized with ourselves with London Bridges Falling Down. Exactly. But yes, here is a great Easter egg. At around 55 minutes, the voice of the operator that Dan keeps getting when he tries to call out out of Santa Maria is Jamie Jamie Lee Curtis.
1: That's awesome. Right when he said the voice of the operator, I had a feeling he'd say it was her. That's really, really cool. I didn't catch it.
0: It, it's so great. I love that. I love when other people from other movies are tied into this because we love. Easter them.
1: eggs are just fun. Yeah, Easter eggs are just so fun, man.
0: Right. <laughs> this is actually pretty funny. So the scene where Dan pretty much throws his mask to cover the security camera. It took him over forty times to actually get the <laughs> shot.
1: I love. I love that. That's recorded for all of us to know. You know, like right. the it's reported at least.
0: And they put the time card here. It's like. Uh, exactly at one hour, 19 minutes. It took him over 40 <laughs> takes to get the shot.
1: <laughs> Damn.
0: <laughs> love that. Uh, this is pretty cool too. So, uh, of course the fog came out earlier, which is also John Carpenter's work. The gas station scene in the film can also be seen in the fog. 1980. I love when they use resets. Like of like yeah, sets. Really like, yeah, that's really cool that. too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A milk factory was used for the setting of the Silver Shamrock uh, factory. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, The voice announcer in the Shamrock commercials and radio spot is that of film writer Tommy Lee Wallace, the director himself.
1: That's awesome. He's got a good voice for it.
0: It's it's so good. Yeah, I'm happy that you know directors always do that if they need like an extra voice and they can't get outside talent. They always like do it themselves. I know Edgar Wright does it, obviously other directors do it too, but it's so great when they do it.
1: that is awesome
0: uh pretty much okay, so Tom Atkins, who prints um our main protagonist Dan and Garn Stevens, who played Marge, were husband and wife at the time and Marge is I the, think I saw that. Woman. I yeah.
1: saw that fact when I uh was looking up some stuff about the movie after I watched it. Yeah. That's crazy. That's cool though.
0: So good. Uh when Cochrane tells one of his humanoids to roll the Silver Shamrock commercial, um, they're pressing in test room A, he presses the number six six six.
1: Oh, we love to see it. It's like that's always
0: creepy. I love it when they do that. Take me
1: take me, Daddy Lucifer.
0: <laughs> um Pretty much, this is kind of funny. So this is kind of like the downhill of, like, critics with this movie. But supposedly part of the genesis of this film came from the comment made by a film critic, Rex Reed, saying Reed said Halloween 2 was so bad that if they make a Halloween 3, I will turn in my press card.
1: Oh, damn. (laughs) Jesus.
0: (laughs) Uh, Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, At around 41 minutes, the music playing on the radio when Marge Gutman notices the tag on the floor was also played in John Carpenter's The The Fog. Love that. So they put a lot of stuff from the old stuff, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, At 24 minutes, the plaza where Dan called his ex-wife on the payphone to um, shriek about his parental responsibilities was also featured in Halloween 2 when Darcy is trying to get Karen to keep her promise of taking her home
1: I nice. didn't see Halloween too, but I think now when I do watch it I'll keep an eye out for that
0: yeah uh, the film takes place from Saturday October 23rd to Sunday October 31st dating it to 1982 the days and dates portrayed in the film are chronicle- chronologically accurate Dink. that's awesome I love it that when is you really head. cool And I will have one last one, uh, the big one. The silver shamrock theme was played a total of 14 times in this movie. Four times at the gas station, once at the house, once at the hospital, another time at the bar, twice on the television screens from the shop window, twice on the radio, one in the motel room, one in test room A, and the final admins area.
1: And that's why it gets stuck in your head.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's crazy. (laughs) But please let us know how you feel about the movie on Twitter at Life. That's night with a K. We'd love to have this discussion. Let's talk about our theories. Where do you guys land on? Was she a robot? Was she not a robot? What's up with the older people in the town? There's so much stuff. Do people survive? Do people die? We will never know because there's different Halloween four is back with Michael Myers. But hey, (laughs) it was a fun time. And pretty much continuing our Happy Halloween Trick or Treat month. Next week, we'll be breaking down, you guessed it, trick or treat. And mm-hmm. if you guys don't know, we may have a little surprise for you. But more on that later on next week's episode. But this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Freddy, also known as and Night. And alongside me on the web, we had David.
1: Stay spoopy, everyone.
0: Also known as Nightly. Our efforts to get our show out is not enough. We need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Rating us five stars is very helpful, but we would love for you to recommend this podcast to someone you know who would love it. You can further support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife, and that's night with a what?
1: Kay. K.
0: By pledging on Patreon, you will have access to the show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry about Sweetheart. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. And remember, everybody, don't forget your nightlight.